Hi, and welcome again to Managing Reputational Risk, the Rostrum Agency podcast. Today's episode examines the role that social media plays in crises and how social media teams can respond in crisis events. I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague Sophie Mellish, who heads up the social media team at Rostrum. So Sophie, to start with, how do you define a crisis? I suppose for me, it completely depends on what has happened. So, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about is whether there's such a thing as a social media specific crisis, because obviously most reputational management issues will, you know, perhaps start in the media. They might start with a journalist inquiry or actually for a lot of the things that I personally work on, social media is the spark for a wider issue. So it might be a tweet or a TikTok or something that sort of causes a bit of a ripple effect and, and it might be that it starts on social. Um, so for me, I suppose it can be a myriad of things. It could be a disgruntled employee saying something about their employer. It could be a customer that has you know, had issues with a product or a service from your business. It could be that a journalist has had a tip off about layoffs, you know, particularly in the current climate or um, you know, any anything like that that could negatively impact the brand's reputation. But I suppose the thing for me to bear in mind is how you define a crisis in terms of the scale. So if it's one tweet or one TikTok, that's probably not a crisis. Um, sure. But, you know, if it is something that starts to scale, starts to escalate and, you know, starts to have a bit of an impact, um, then, yeah, for me, I suppose that could be a small, medium or large-scale crisis depending on what happens and, and I guess if it is one tweet but that one tweet is from as given an outlandish example if that one tweet is from Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. then that is likely to to be a crisis very soon because a lot of people will then jump onto that well exactly I mean we saw that to use the Kardashian example again we saw that with her younger sister Kylie Jenner um a long time ago she tweeted something about Snapchat and their share price price completely dropped because you know she wasn't happy with the platform and she was such an influential user of the platform um that you know that had a massive ripple effect and that was literally a single tweet yeah so I suppose you're right it it could just yeah stem from a single post but you know hopefully I like to think that not many of my clients are being tagged by the Kardashians on social media (laughs) you never know you never know know. (laughs) um so how important therefore is the social media monitoring element that you do Yeah, really important. I think it's actually the first step in, uh, I suppose, proper preparation, which I think, um, you know, probably come on to a little bit later in terms of like steps to success when it comes to a crisis. But, you know, if something like this does happen, whether it's a single tweet or otherwise, you know, monitoring that mood music of what's going on is incredibly important. And I think, you know, this can be a combination of using different tools but increasingly manual checks are becoming very important, you know, like social media platforms like TikTok, for example, because a lot of it's audio is quite hard to monitor through AI tools and things like that. Or you can get sort of audio monitoring um, as part of various tools and things like that. But, you know, it's sort of in the early stages of being able to do that very well because um, a lot of it's AI driven and, and stuff like that. So um, I think there's a combination of using automated and manual checks and I think also like you said earlier for me most of my clients are in the b2b space right so they might not naturally think that Instagram or TikTok or these kind of I suppose more consumer 
driven social channels are where crises might occur. But increasingly, you know, a disgruntled employee might take to TikTok to moan about their employer or, you know, or a former employee might do the same. You know, we've seen that um, time and time again um, for various businesses globally that, you know, their employees can go viral talking about them on TikTok. So, you know, even if the channel isn't one that's used by the the business or, or the client in question, you know, it's important to keep a wide breadth on on monitoring and, and what we're looking for um, just so that we can see the full scope really. And is that something that is like proactive just each and every day you are just on top of it is kind of going on in the background? Yeah I think so so for us we have a lot of um, alerts you know triggered when um, various things happen with with the tools that we use um, so that we can see you know not just in traditional media when clients mentioned but also on social I think the manual monitoring piece is obviously a little bit more time consuming so you know we tend to do that side of things if there are murmurs of potentially something happening you know we'll we'll do big deep dives into all the different platforms um but I think a first step is you know even just simple things like checking the notifications checking the direct messages checking all of that stuff daily um and you know or or more than daily and you know not leaving that to the back burner particularly I think if you're a business that get lots of dodgy dms on instagram trying to sell toothpaste or or whatever it is that's (laughs) irrelevant to your actual business it can be quite tempting to just go oh look at those later but actually you know we've seen that those could be a place where perhaps a customer who is a little bit you know, aggrieved by something or, or has had an issue and they don't want to make it public, but they might not be getting where they need to through phone customer service or whatever. They might actually take to direct messaging to try and highlight a problem without trying to do it sort of in the public domain. So, um, yeah, I think there's a, a few different ways that you need to monitor regularly. And that should definitely be part of sort of the preparation for future um, reputational issues as well as what's going on right now. And I, and I guess it all stems from their social media policy in the good times. So to give an example, I used to work at Virgin Money and I was part of the social media team. And it was just it was, it was part of our policy that we responded to each and every tweet within 20 minutes. And that was, I think, from eight in the morning till eight in the evening. So that therefore, when an issue did occur, those customers or every single customer already knew that they would get a response within those 20 minutes. So it's setting those guidelines in business as usual so that when a crisis does hit, customers know what to expect. And importantly, there aren't that many different steps that the social media team have to take. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think actually on some channels, you know, on Facebook, for example, you know, if a customer sends you a direct message they will get a little alert that says you know this account usually responds within x amount of time so even from that point they can get a little bit of a steer as to when they might hear back like you say i think you've raised a really important point there though around social media teams because they are usually on the front lines of fighting fires and um you know dealing with these reputational management issues whether it is like i said earlier just like a single tweet or or a barrage depending on on <laughs> um and I think making sure that they are prepared enough to deal with you know these things and they are equipped um and not always relying on those sort of stock responses I think that that is something that you can see trip a company up sometimes where you know they have a set of 
agreed responses to different questions. You know, if it's, say, a clothing business, for example, and a customer's had an issue with their order, it's speak to this person or whatever. And, you know, absolutely the key thing should be to, to take these offline and, and off the platform in hand, whether that's Twitter or otherwise. But I think that can also sometimes trip customer service teams up when they're the ones handling the social side of things because they've perhaps responded to something that doesn't actually answer the original query or question or you know isn't actually it's probably the closest stock response that they had for example but it's a bit like when you get a substitution in your online shopping right if you've asked for eggs and they send you orange juice it's not it's not what you needed at that time so you know just making sure that you are adapting I suppose those stock responses and that social media teams understand I suppose firstly the license that they have to update and and amend those sort of agreed comms as appropriate to the situation and then also who to escalate that to internally if sort of these stock responses to enable as you said a sort of quick 20 minute turnaround in making sure that we are responding to all queries at all times Um, you know sometimes customers are going to say something where you don't know the answer or you don't know exactly what to say to them at that time because you need to do an investigation or or understand what the business's position is on something um, before you can respond. So I think just equipping your comms teams and social media teams is a key part of this too. Yeah, it's all about giving the information that you can and, and being honest, if you don't know the information say, going to need a bit of time to, to look into this for you, but we will respond as long as the person at the other end of the tweet or the phone or wherever it may be mm-hmm. has the trust that you will actually do what you're going to say then you know in every crisis situation that makes all the difference so I, I talk about it in my media training and as part of you know, this podcast I'm sure I've mentioned it numerous times is uh, making sure that all stakeholders whoever they may be customers internal external journalists are aware that you are the trusted verified source of information and you are doing what you say you're going to do if you say you're going to update someone in two hours make sure you do it even if two hours later that update is i'm afraid we're still looking at the issue what you're doing is at least letting that person know that basically they are top of the list um yeah. and keeping them you know keeping them there yeah i agree with you and i think you know even just as a consumer outside of my day job if i have had an issue and sort of raised that on social media one thing that can be particularly aggravating as someone on the receiving end is when you're sort of handed through several different social team reps you know how uh, companies will often sign off the name of the person or the initials of the person that you're dealing with um, when it comes to sort of more customer service related content. It can be a little bit frustrating that two hours later, someone completely different is handling your query. And then two hours later, someone different again sort of comes back to you with different things. And it's like, OK, well, hold on. Who actually is, as you said, my trusted source of <laughs> information about this and who is actually the person escalating this? Because now I've spoken to three different people and I don't have an answer. Um, so I think while obviously I'm not expecting and would never ask a social media person to be online 24 seven, um, although it can definitely feel like that sometimes in social media (laughs) management world, um, you know, just making sure that there is a direct line of communication with somebody, whether that's online or, you know, taken into DMs or ideally taken offline, um, or off social media completely into emails or phone correspondence or, or whatever it is, so that um, you know you stop sort of driving that traffic on the platform on the platform to an issue. But um, yeah, as you say, having that sort of 
trusted source of guidance and and insight and you know they are the face of the business at this point in the conversation so you know whatever level they're at whether they're a junior social media person or or the head of comms or whoever it is as a consumer you don't know who you're dealing with you know they are just a a representative for the company at the end so yeah exactly and what we're seeing especially on that point you made about say consumer queries and and concerns and, and issues is people will you know, tweet, uh, give hot point example, you know, tweet hot point and say, what's going on with my washing machine and my dishwasher? Mm-hmm. If they don't get a response, they will then at a journalist. So journalists now don't have to find a story, the story finds them. And a journalist will go, that's the fourth tweet I've got on this issue. I need to look into this. As a, a head of social media, Rostrum, how do you help clients with instances like that? I think getting on top of them quickly is the first step so you know not waiting two or three or four hours after the tweet has come in to sort of escalate that internally involving your teams internally or agency side as soon as possible and flagging these things as soon as possible is step one Um, and then step two is trying to diffuse the situation before it starts escalating like with any crisis of on any channel so you know as I said earlier you know trying to take that offline or at least into dms is the the easiest thing to do on social media you know you see nationwide doing this quite a lot where you know they don't obviously as a bank or building society they don't want you know customers banking information or anything like that just on twitter for the very obvious reasons um so you know the first step in any kind of customer um, relations with them on social media is that they ask you to direct message them instead and they will follow you on Twitter to enable you to do that with them so I think having you know a that escalation process for anything that comes in that's a query and then also having that really set process in place for okay what do I need to do here it might be a stock response if it is something that you know to use that supermarket example again where someone moans that they've had chocolate replaced with crisps or whatever it is you know that that will be a very very simple thing um you know if it is something more serious obviously that would require you know a little little bit more thought and intervention but I think you know the more planning that you can do to make different teams aware of what the process is so like I said whether the first step is actually you know we're going to follow you now so that you can message us more information about this problem because as well you know on social media particularly Twitter you're so limited in terms of what you can say you know you've got 280 characters to moan about your query and yes you can do it as a thread and you know tag the company a million times to get their attention but beyond that it's quite hard to articulate specifically what the issue is and normally it's just a very quick high xyz has happened tag the company you know can you help me um or not if they're particularly aggrieved (laughs) Um, so yeah i think two steps really that escalation process and then understanding what the immediate next steps need to be and and a quick response really to that point would you say there just needs to be a lot of planning and discussion as part of business as usual saying setting out the strategies and saying if x happens on social media this is what needs to happen or if anything happens and social media blows up a little bit around Mm -hmm. it these are the people that need to be involved and um, these are the compliance steps that need to be taken and the approval process which for organizations that, that we work with and organizations i've worked with before 
can be, you know, a typical press release sign off could be three days, for example. Well, three days is too long. Uh, so do you have those discussions now if you haven't had them already? Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot separately in terms of what a good crisis plan looks like. And I suppose the key thing is framing not everything needs to be a crisis, but there needs to be a plan, I suppose, um, for dealing with it. So, you know, making sure that steps are planned and any relevant teams know exactly what their role is or, or what their piece of this wider puzzle that we're dealing with is. And I think it's thinking beyond social too, right? So like I said at the very beginning, social media can be the spark, but it might not be where the crisis ends or, or where the issue ends. Um, that might be the mainstream media, that might be customer relations, that might be statements on the websites, and you know, even going into more formal things like actually taking action on XYZ, changing business processes, whatever it is, something quite small at the start of of an issue you know can obviously as you're, you're very aware you know spread to something that has sort of a meaningful impact so I think you know or organizing yourselves and making sure that you do have that plan and you have done a sort of war room type situation whether it's sort of practicing it all in in real time or not but you know thinking about the chain of command you know who needs to be involved at what steps bringing in your comms teams whether that's media social or internal and external comms too, you know, need to be involved in these things. And another key step is thinking about who else is customer facing. If it is a customer issue, for example, you know, you've had a data breach or, you know, one of your products has had an outage and your customers can't get access to certain products or services from you, there might be a whole host of people that are then impacted by that who then might be trying to get in touch with you. So thinking about all those different channels and social media is just one part of that right so who operates your phone lines do you outsource that for example there's increasingly you know particularly in a post-covid world where office space is being uh, cut down and all that kind of thing where people often outsource their reception equivalent of you know yeah. so whoever's picking up the phone doesn't necessarily work at the company and and you know they're a sort of face for the business um and say you know good morning xyz company without actually being there day to day so you know making sure that they are aware of what they need to do whether that's to pass the calls on to a particular individual particular team um or if there is an sort of an agreed statement same for your sales teams anyone that's customer facing um you know pr teams to prep for journalist inquiries you know it becomes a much bigger thing um, than yeah just thinking about what the right thing to say on twitter is yeah it's um it's something that we have on the the rostrum reputation management platform is a whole host of templates so if it is a, a call center, then these are the steps that you should take. Even things like security and out of hours security. Mm. If, you know, if, if a security guard is asked a question, what do they say? Mm. Uh, it's even you know, if it's a very high profile case or a high profile individual, it's giving guidance to their family um, about what can and can't be said. It's things like doorstepping. So it is much more than just that social media and that media element like you talked about. And it is to something that we discuss an awful lot. It's all mm -hmm. about that planning. I, there's a, um, a phrase that, that comes to mind, which I turn to a lot, which is by the time you hear the thunder, it's too late to build the ark. Mm -hmm. So it's all about having those plans and those processes in place so that if an issue does come up, 
you flick the switch and go, okay, we we activate all of this or we activate certain parts. Um, and that's something that you know, we advise all of our clients on and, and discuss with um, as part of the media training and as part of our day-to-day you know, -day engagement with our clients. It's you know, how can we best help them? So if an issue does occur, it doesn't escalate. Yeah. Um, I wanted to move on now to some examples. So mm -hmm. um, there are an awful lot of examples of um, crises handled badly on social media. Are there any yeah. that stand out to you? So I think the one that I always think of in my mind happened last year, so 2021, um, and it was a cereal company, actually. So not any kind of business that we would normally deal with. There's a cereal in the States called Cinnamon Crunch, um, which I think is a bit like Shreddies covered in cinnamon sugar, but I'm not sure. Um, and a customer tweeted them with some photos saying that he'd basically eaten a bowl full of cereal went to pour a second bowl um, because it was so tasty and delicious, I imagine. And um, he found shrimp tails covered in cinnamon sugar in his box of cereal and they sort of fell out the packet into the bowl. Um, now, I think, firstly, that's obviously disgusting. <laughs> and, <laughs> and as a food company, that could potentially show like huge lapses in quality control issues, whether it's true or not. You know, this is quite a serious allegation that a customer has put on social media so the response from the company was one of those stock responses that I mentioned earlier which I think ultimately was the wrong decision um, and it, they didn't sort of try to take it off the platform or any of those sort of best practice things that we've um, spoken about today so I mean I have done them a slight disservice there they did ask um, for a DM a direct message to collect more details but they just said, we're sorry to see what you found. Um, we'd like to report this to our quality team and replace the box. Now, to me, we're sorry to see what you found would indicate that, you know, a few of the cereals might have been burnt or, yeah. you know, if there was meant to be a toy in the box and it wasn't there, you know, that's the sort of level of, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, rather than, you know, something more serious about, you know, Obviously, they did say that they would send it to their quality team, but the tone of voice was very casual, as is true, I suppose, normally for a consumer-facing cinnamon cereal brand. Um, but I think just from the off, that tone probably wasn't necessarily appropriate for the potential scale of the problem here. Sure. Um, because, you know, if you think about it in practical terms, one box with shrimp tails might be that whole run or that whole batch that has quality control issues it might scale beyond that you know yeah. obviously we don't want to catastrophize anything but if that was me and I was running that social media account my mind would be running a million miles an hour thinking about the possible outcomes of this single tweet um so you know in the end I think the exchange went back and forth a few times the company eventually put out a statement um in two different forms there I think they did it as a sort of graphic where they'd sort of just done some text um as a graphic and then they also said to him that um you know it was an accumulation of the cinnamon sugar that can sometimes occur when ingredients aren't thoroughly blended um and it ended with the statement we can assure you that there's no possibility of cross-contamination with shrimp which obviously you know thinking about again mind whirring and, and all those potential issues 
shellfish is a huge allergy <laughs> for a lot yeah. of people who you know might innocently be buying a box of cinnamon cereal and think oh that's one thing I don't have to worry about when it comes to shellfish yeah. allergy is breakfast cereal um so you know I think again probably while that it sounds like anyway was the legal approved response to this and, and you know several people probably had hands in it I think you know, it was sent in direct response to him, at which point this had already gone viral, right? His post had been shared hundreds, if not thousands of times by this point on Twitter by various people globally. You know, this was a, a US problem, but it had become a global problem quite quickly. The customer was increasingly disgruntled by the lack of, um, I guess, acknowledgement that what he was saying was true. Yeah. And all these things. And, you know, he ended up tweeting a series of DMs with the business that sort of contradicted what they'd been saying publicly. He tweeted an email exchange with their customer service team. So it it really did escalate. They said that he said that they were making him look insane (laughs) because, (laughs) um, you know, he just didn't feel like he was telling the truth. Now, whether this story was real or not, there's been a lot of speculation since as to whether it was a hoax. But regardless of that outcome the level of potential cross-contamination with a story like this is dangerous um and you know they could have considered a more public statement pretty quickly you know assuring customers that their quality control was top-notch or that they were putting you know other processes in place regardless of whether shrimp was in the cereal or not you know the tweet as i said the tweets from the customer went completely viral it spread very quickly outside of social media too right so it ended up being covered by the New York Times, by CNN, by um, Vox, Vice, you know, all Time magazine, even the Guardian here did a story about it. Yeah. And, you know, marketing pros globally talked about it on LinkedIn and stuff for a long time about, you know, this was a bit ridiculous. And, you know, we're having this conversation probably the best part of two years later, and it's still sticking in my mind as a bit of a dodgy response to <laughs> a customer crisis. So, yeah, I think obviously they've moved on. It, like I said, it's been nearly two years, but I think a lot of learnings for them yeah. from this and also for us too. I mean, it's a good case study of what not to do. And when you are thinking about how you would respond to these kind of situations and the potential outcomes of what might happen, you know, some of these things might be people's worst case scenario. You know, a customer starts publicizing private communications with your team yeah um which is what happened here and then the statements are completely contradictory with what you're then saying publicly as a business which obviously isn't ideal so um yeah I think that always sticks in my mind as an example of a company falling short um, and perhaps being caught off guard I think that it, it showcases that it was a social media issue but the issues run deeper in that it was you know, the processes and planning that company had in place. So they don't have that one truth. Now you want to be telling people the same story wherever they may be. You need to be meeting them where they want to be. So you know if it's social media, then on social media, if it's on the phone, on the phone or wherever it may be, but it needs to be the same story. You can't be telling them one story you know, that everyone can see and then something else Know, somewhere else or internal announcements and it I guess it highlights the, the power of the screen grab as well yeah yeah <laughs> you know it managing a crisis 
now is even more different than it was two years ago when it comes to social not that screen grabs or anything new obviously but I think just the level of what people are prepared to do on social media and sort of call out on social media has changed so much and you know I think the pandemic's had a lot to do with that and, and various other things but one of the things we haven't yet touched on is the recent Twitter takeover exactly and the issues well, myriad issues <laughs> on there, which I, you know, we don't have time to go into today. But one of the key things that I think, I mean, it's a social media company. Firstly, so obviously all their employees are on social. Twitter pre-Musk had such a strong company culture and everybody was proud to be a tweep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're pretty pro the business on social. And it's quite rare that you get companies like that where everybody from dev teams to comms to you know, admin support all the way up to leadership are very transparent on social and um, it wasn't quite a build in public scenario but you know I think there were so many engineers and devs and various sort of technical employees showcasing the work that was going on behind the scenes and they had so many great initiatives like bird watch and, and all that kind of thing like it was all done on Twitter like in yeah. the public for people to see and people to join in and, and sort of feel like they were part of that um and obviously in recent well days even you know you've seen so many employees publicly go against the company um and some of those have resulted in a termination of their contracts some of them have publicly resigned on Twitter you know the number of employees I think by recent reports has gone down by 5,000 out of just over 7,000. So there's not many people left globally, <laughs> um, which brings its own cacophony of problems as a brand. You know, like, what do you do now? I saw an interesting perspective from um, a sort of social expert in the US this morning about all this. And, you know, I, I do completely agree. And it's the advice that we've been giving as well is honestly just wait it out for the exactly. time being. You know, if Twitter isn't a priority platform for you right now, and it's not a platform that you use for customer service, et cetera. Yeah. Maybe use it a bit more sparingly, stay a bit quieter. Or if you were considering leaving the platform anyway, you know, for most of our clients, LinkedIn is where their customers are rather than Twitter. And it's where they get the most engagement from their current and prospective customers anyway. So some are considering perhaps, you know, moving off from Twitter. But I think the level of potential reputational issues that companies can have you know we've seen already in the last few weeks because of the content moderation team not being in full whack and full swing (laughs) um under Elon that you know a lot of brands have had themselves impersonated on Twitter and that's had massive impacts on them you know there's um, a pharma company in the US who was impersonated and you know, somebody put out a tweet saying that their insulin was now going to be free or something like that. And that had a huge um, knock on impact. It spooked their investors, their share price tanked. And that was just probably one person in their bedroom thinking it'd be funny. And that's happened so many times already. You know, I've seen threads and threads on Twitter of people sort of collating all of these brand impersonations that have happened. And it is largely impacting consumer facing brands at the moment. But you know, that's one thing in terms of things, you know, we've mentioned monitoring a lot today. That's one thing that for us, like we are keeping an eye on all of this stuff, not just to advise our clients, but also in case there's a risk. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think it doesn't always have to be a disgruntled employee or an aggrieved customer or, you know, a company news announcement that might go down badly or um, 
you know, a regulatory issue or, or whatever it is that's, I suppose, more traditional cause perhaps of a reputational issue. It, it can be now that someone is impersonating your brand online and that can have consequences. Yeah. I think we should do a separate podcast on that one. I'll, I'll be back in a few months' time after. Yeah, maybe. Mate, on, mate. Well, Twitter might not exist by then. We'll have to see. <laughs> well, in case it doesn't, we'll do an emergency one. Um, but, but we'll have you on in a, a few months' time to discuss Twitter three months on from, from the Musk takeover. <laughs> so to, to finish off, what steps do you think organisations can take to mitigate and minimise their exposure to negative reputation events, particularly on social media? Yes, I, th- I mean, I think we've talked about a lot of them today. So I suppose just to sum up, the preparation really is the key here, you know, making sure that with any, as with any reputational issue, you know, that steps are planned and relevant teams are involved and, you know, know what their place is and that that's all written down somewhere and, you know, easily accessible because what can happen is, as I said at the very beginning, you know, social media teams are on the front lines often facing this stuff before anyone else in the business on occasion so you know just making sure that they know who to escalate anything to that there is a set process to follow who needs to be involved when whether that includes legal compliance leadership um any other comms functions engineering you know payroll whoever needs to be involved um and that that's all agreed sort of ahead of time um and also thinking outside the box that like we said you know if if you outsource your phones to somebody you know making sure that they're aware and they know what to do if they get sort of an aggrieved customer um calling them up and then I think it's involving your comms teams as early on as possible and I think this is true not just for social but for press and you know other types of external comms too is that often comms isn't always the last to know but they're they're probably a little bit further down the chain um you know, outside of leadership, potentially. So if there is an issue or there's an outage or even, you know, if there's a new hire coming, that people can be quite secretive about that, Um, which, you know, very much understand the reasons why. But, you know, sometimes then you end up on the back foot as a comms function. And that's not what you want to happen because comms are the ones who are often on the front lines dealing with either journalists or people on social media who are mentioning the business in in some way shape or form and yeah just making sure that they're not out of the loop with things obviously not everything will need to be fed through to comms but you know just making sure that if there is something and there are murmurs going on internally about a potential issue that that potential issue is fed through to this sort of agreed process before it becomes an actual issue yeah i i actually make that argument and it's the the format of the reputation platform that i've discussed is that comms is the central like document holder they are the in-house person and you know, as an extension, the external PR agencies such as Rostrum should have insight into each of the business areas in an ideal world. So it should all feed into that communications professional that can then collate all that information together and go, this is what this person needs to do. This is what this department needs to do. Social media, you now do this mm-hmm. without having that central kind of bubble of communications professionals. I think that the plan can fall apart. Yeah. I'd agree with that. And so very last thing, couldn't let you go without asking what support Rostrum can provide on social media for for businesses. Sure. I mean, it's sort of anything and everything, really. Um, A lot of our clients have in-house comms teams. They might have whole in-house social media teams, but they still need support, you know. 
social media is such an always on you know part of the business that you know even if they only post one LinkedIn post a day or something you know it's about reporting back on success suggesting ideas you know that's more strategic piece I suppose and, and making sure that clients are seeing the growth and the ROI on on the channels that they want to you know not being afraid to push the boat out sometimes whether that's creatively with design or perhaps being a bit more tongue-in-cheek with copy or you know even um sort of quite material things like that can be um you know quite useful to to get an external perspective on um perhaps someone who's not quite so affiliated with the brand and and all that kind of thing yeah um obviously the reputational side reputational monitoring um and you know that can be done at a very small scale with particular channels or that can be done sort of globally with as many channels as you can like I said at the beginning you know there are certain foibles with monitoring some channels over others but there are lots of tools that are getting a lot better at monitoring some of these newer social platforms so that's a key part of what we do um community management you know like I said we we are often the ones spotting the the tweets or, or the LinkedIn posts or the issues and you know then being the the people who then escalate that up to the internal teams and just really I suppose operating as an extension of our clients in-house division um whether that is the wider marketing function or you know even if they don't have a marketing function and we're that role for them you know making sure that that's escalated to the appropriate people internally you know if it's an employee issue that might be HR and talent if it's a finance issue that might be payroll so just making sure again that we're that sort of central cog in that process as much as possible yeah like so we've got a great design studio I think increasingly with social some of the most important facets of doing social well is the creative now it's not the the words (laughs) that go along with it it's actually stopping that scroll on a phone and making people sort of stop and pay attention um so yeah a lot of the work that our amazing uh head designer Fen and, and her team are doing is thinking outside the box you know how can we sort of push push brands and, and push creative to make it interesting fantastic well thank you very much for your time Sophie that was really interesting and as I said we'll get you back in a few months time to talk about uh, Musk and his Twitter <laughs> sounds good thanks for having me thank you This is a Rostrum Agency production, produced, mixed, and edited by Rostrum. Rostrum is a full-service communications agency, offering PR, content and influencer marketing, social media, training, design, and much more. Rostrum is among the UK's top five B2B agencies and a PR Week top 100 agency, specializing in financial services, professional services, consumer and corporate campaigns, as well as crisis management, content marketing, and social media. Rostrum creates campaigns and content to help clients punch above their weight. Rostrum measures everything it does, delivering exceptional value for clients' budgets. To find out more, search rostrum.agency.